Hey everyone, we're excited to promote the upcoming Kickstarter from Mage Hand Press. Dark Matter is a rip-roaring futuristic campaign setting which lets you play D&D in space without learning a new system. On July 29th, they are kickstarting the Dark Matter Starters Kit, which includes everything you need to play, including a new adventure. Please follow at Mage Hand Press on Twitter and visit their website mfov.magehandpress.com for the latest information. If you ever wanted to take part in an epic sci-fi adventure, you can try out the demo for free now. Just visit darkmatter.magehandpress.com demo. In the meantime, now, please remember to do your part to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. If you don't feel well, monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Social distancing is key, so please stay home. Looking for a social outlet? You can also send letters to Leuven at dm at dndraw.com right now. Also, there's a link in the description to our Discord server, where we love to hang out and chat with listeners. We are glad that we can stay connected in these times. We also hope our characters' adventures provide a fun gateway and are glad you are joining us on the journey. And we especially want to thank our Adventurer tier and above patrons for their support this month. So thank you, a Linux fan, Feral Joe, Grimfuse, Naked and Afraid, Mosiru, Shosuru Ajo, Mike C, Jeremy Kleinhans, Ryan Rea Vermet, and William McCracken. If you enjoy the adventures of our characters in Ostia and our show about the rules for 5th edition, you too can support us on Patreon. For just $1 a month, you can get exclusive content and updates. Higher tiers get DMs notes, bloopers from our episodes, and to add an item or NPC to a D&D our episode. We are especially grateful to our producer tier patrons who listen to our audio before anyone else to give feedback and shape the final episode. We want to give a special thanks to Christopher Reinert for serving as a producer on this episode. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. Next week will be our edited Dark Matter stream. Join us now for Rumble Squad episode 34, Cloudfarer, Activate. With me today are the following players. Hi, I'm Chris, and I'll be playing Orc Fireforge, the Hill Dwarf Forge Cleric. Hi, my name's Rachel, and I will be playing Elaine Fox, the Human Barbarian Druid. Hey, this is Nick, and I will be playing Leuven Cromdell, the Half-Elf Alchemist Artificer. Last time, the party escaped from the domain of the champion and began to travel eastward through the lands of the ancestral hearts. They found it disconcerting when they sensed no presence of the two guardians on their lands, and as the days passed, grew more and more concerned at the lack of any sign of orc activity in the area. After several days of travel, they received two messages, one from the Lady of Spirits and the other from Boulder. Boulder stated, a hobgoblin army, led by the Fortuneborn, was gathering at the edges of his borders, and he could use their assistance if they were nearby. The Lady of Spirits as well mentioned that there was an orcish horde 
that began to build up their army at the very edges of her territory. And though she was quite powerful, she was not certain she could hold off an army of that size. Rumble Squad then made their choice and traveled towards Boulder's lands, preparing for the battle that was coming ahead. Rumble Squad, as you recover from your several days of long travel and hurried passage through the domains of the other guardians, you awaken the next morning in Boulder's home, in the cots he had prepared for you. You get a smell of maybe some charred vegetables set aside as a breakfast. You see a few pieces of fruit and you hear the general sound of motion outside. Some occasional stone grinding against stone. I wonder what that noise is. I peek outside. You see, the landscape has actually changed. Not significantly, but there is a general slope downward away from Boulder's home. It's a gentle slope. It's nothing too extreme by any means. As you kind of look around, you see several of these earth elemental figures, these large rock-looking entities just moving about and clearing some of the space around Boulder's home as Boulder is gesturing towards the land, and you see the land seems to almost shift on its own. Hiya, Boulder. Ah, hello, Luven. It's good to see you are awake. Please, I hope you would enjoy your breakfast, and we'll have some moments to discuss. It seems the hobgoblins are no longer gathering at the edges of the territory and have all gathered. All right. Thank you for the meal, as always, and we're here to help, so let us know if you need anything. I will let you know shortly. Please, get some food. I am almost done out here with what preparations I can make. Thumbs up, and I come back inside. Over the course of the night, Elaine, you, I'm sure, thought of what you could do to help in the coming combat as it felt as if your ties to nature grew and deepened. Knowledge came to you in the morning that you did not previously had, and yet you still feel you could cast spells that were not originally at your disposal. Auric, you feel strengthened as you prepare for the day. Your armor itself feels stronger, but you haven't touched it. It's hardier. It's a warm day out, but it doesn't feel as warm. The heat isn't bothering you in this densely packed forest as much as it had the previous day. Luvin, right before resting, I know you were finishing up a few little projects. So you awaken the next morning, an idea hits you. As you're eating your breakfast, Luvin runs out of the house, looking excited. So I take an uh, oversized bed sheet that I've had set aside specifically for this moment, and I just gently toss it over this figure that has been moving. As this happens, everyone, you hear little clangs and whirs of various gears and such from underneath this, and just little clack, 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 clack. Probably just be like rubbing our face, be like, uh, or I think, I think Luvin's getting into some of your stuff again. Luvin, are you playing with things you shouldn't? Attention, attention, I've got an announcement to make. Boulder walks over. I'd go out. As you all know, I'm not exactly the most secretive person. I'm sure you've noticed something has been up whenever I've been 
tinkering on weird metallic parts during downtime and guard shifts and whatever. But I've done my best to keep the true purpose of my special project a surprise. Because I am nothing if not an entertainer at heart. I've been waiting for the moment to blow you all away, and that moment has arrived. Won't you please join me behind the company cart? You guys walk behind, you see the covered blanket that towards the top seems to like shift slightly from something underneath. It's a fairly thin sheet, best I could find if for the circumstance. So you might be able to even make out some kind of form under a, about the size of a medium-sized creature. I um, pinch a small piece of the sheet just between a thumb and forefinger, and I give you like one of the widest grins you have seen. Without further ado, are you ready? Let's get on with it. Yeah. Cloudfarer, activate. I whisk off the sheet. On the ground, you see two feet with avian-like talons leading up to two wings unfurling from the chassis of this figure with the clicking and clacking of gears uh, as two beady eyes attached to a stubby, curved beak suddenly light up with black pupils suddenly beginning to some kind of form of intelligence. The figure before you is a pretty convincing rendition of a parrot with uh, small painted metal rivets matted down to imitate a coat of feathers. There's just one thing that seems a bit off. The coloration, instead of being bands of reds and yellows and blues, are instead sporadic splotches on an otherwise basic dark gray metallic color that you would expect of a construct. Almost as if this was painted by someone who's seen plenty of cows, but never actually seen a parrot before. <laughs> so, what do you think? Leuven, that's a big bird. That is a very big bird, Leuven. And... I really like the colors. It's an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I really tried to model it true to life. What sort of bird is this? I haven't seen one, like, with the splotched color. I'd probably, like, nudge Boulder, like, just, like, let it go, man. Let it go. What? Oh. Okay. Okay, wait. I I'm at a point now where I'm actually going to insight this. Go ahead and roll an insight check. That's a seven. Something's up, but you're not really sure what, Leuven. Elaine's, like, maybe trying to hide something? But it could just be nerves. Does it make you happy, Leuven? Well, you know what? We'll talk later. I, I get a sense something's up, but I'm not going to let it ruin my moment right now, so it's fine. It looks great, Leuven. I like it. Does it fly? Or does it just walk? Or what does it do? What can it do? Tony, I hop on back of Cloudfarer. Cloudfarer, let's, uh, let's do a test fly. So it unfurls its probably about six foot wide wingspan. And you hear a lot of gears turning in this as it flaps. Auric, you know, purely from a weight and mechanic standpoint, this should not be possible what's about to happen. But it pushes off and hovers in the air. Leuven, I need you to roll a dexterity check. 21. Leuven, you feel the wings beat against your leg. You are able to balance and adjust your positioning enough that as it takes off off the ground and hovers five feet, it starts to fly upwards and actually flies above all of your heads with Leuven clinging on and maintaining balance as it does a loop around the cart in about a 30 foot radius before slowly like coming close to the ground and just hovering about 10 feet above the ground as it flaps its wings. Woo! I'm just like yelling and screaming like, ah, this is the best thing ever. Clever, um, activate landing mode. Thanks. It has its talons back down towards the ground, stretched out, softly land. Lou, do you get a little bit of jar initially? But 
maintain your balance, hold on tight, and are able to dismount Cloudfair. You're a little shaky on your feet at first. I might land kind of like on one knee kind of thing and then push myself up. Huh? Huh? That's pretty cool. Are you planning on riding that like into battle today or what is the plans for this? Well, I mean, for one thing, a flying construct, you don't see that every day. So I just wanted to make it because it's so cool. It is really cool. Aye, it's very impressive. Thank you. Thank you very much. But also, yeah, the mobility factor is really important because, like, this guy right here, 80 feet in six seconds. Oh, wow. I mean, I guess you could use that to fly overhead and drop fiery. I'm making the motion, like, because I know his vile things, like, he's got the fire and the acid. Like, you could drop those on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is definitely part of the plan. I'm kind of tired of the whole melee thing. No offense. No offense. It works for you, and that's great. Like, love it, but not for me. So, yeah. Can it act on its own, or do you have to be commanding it or piloting it the whole time? Responds to my commands. So, I mean, if I'm not in range to be heard, then that's a problem. By the way, this whole time, Cloudfarer is like slightly angling its head, like almost constantly, and just seeming to shift to each of you, like one eye, and then shift. And it's just taking its surroundings. Is it sentient? It slightly nods. Can it talk? It shakes its head. I would probably walk around it a couple times, just like looking it all up and down, you know, kind of. It angles its head so that one eye is kind of almost always following you. But it's like, it, it's more seems like the air of curiousness than anything else. I walk up to it. Cloudfair. Introductions. Elaine, Auric, Boulder, they're allies. How does it fare at night? Can it see in the dark? Yeah, about the same as, uh, as well, most. As you say that, I give you a look like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you notice there's a slight smile from Boulder and just goes, well, this is quite the project you've been working on, Leuven. It's impressive. Why, thank you, Boulder. Can it be leveraged as some kind of sentinel? Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, where would uh, Cloudfire be needed? Probably somewhere a bit closer. I have my messengers further out, but they are not as fast as this creature. So perhaps have them maybe a few hundred feet out towards the south-southwest. Okay. Yep, I'm good with that. Moving before Cloudfarer goes, can I try? Cloudfair, uh, please permit Elaine to uh, try out your fly mode momentarily. Nods. Kind of shuffles slightly. All right, so I would climb up. You notice as you're kind of getting on, Cloudfair will angle slowly as you get up so that it's basically, its back is almost flat when you initially get on so that you can more easily situate yourself. I'd probably mimic the way Leuven held on, actually, because I have no clue how to hold on to a giant bird. So, yeah, uh, by the way, I recommend, now that I've tried that out, going a little further back and hanging on. Oh, okay. And I'll just, like, readjust accordingly and then, like, hang on, like, here we go. Looks at you, Luvin. Ten feet. Nods. Extends the wings. Whoosh! Up ten feet into the air really quickly, Elaine. And then it just bolts 80 feet. Make a uh, dexterity check for me to maintain your balance and hold on. Twelve? You... Slide a few inches and grip around his neck tighter, but maintain as it then swerves right around a tree really fast, almost faster than you've ever gone. Probably a little like, ee! As it just swirls around, does another big loop around Boulder's home, comes back, and then 
hovers right above Leuven's head, carrying a burst of air towards all of you as it starts to flap and lower back to the ground and settle. Yeah, once it's down, I'd, I'd hop off and be like, that was awesome! Dude, orc, you should try it! That's a hard pass. Stout folk belong on the ground. Boulder, would you like to try? I must agree more with my dwarven friend here. I am connected to the earth and to the earth I like to be close to. I'm just patting Cloudbearer proudly during this exchange. You hear, by the way, <laughs> from the other side of the cart and look over to see Anvil's just like staring at all of you. Elaine, you get like, hey, who's the new thing? I'll go up and pat Anvil. It's happy. That's Leuven's new friend. Will he eat my food? No, he doesn't eat. And then I'll reach in like to the cart and pull out uh, like a handful of grain or whatever and like feed. He seems contented. He's like, okay, he's not taking any of his food. As happening, Boulder uh, says, well, you may wish to have Cloud Pharaoh's scout. Uh, they could be beginning their march at any moment. Cloud Pharaoh, please scout for enemies. You are looking for mainly hobgoblins. And I quickly describe a hobgoblin uh, since I imagine Cloud Pharaoh is learning basically from nothing right now. Return back maximum speed when you see something that looks like an enemy. Nods. Unfolds its wings. Protect the other animal messengers, if possible, on the way back. Nods again. And whoosh, straight up 80 feet into the air. And then bolting 80 feet and continuing south-southwest. Orc, you should totally try it! That's not going to happen. I'm just bouncing on my heels a little bit, all excitedly. Not even realizing it. Please, we should all gather. I need to prepare to transfer some power onto the three of you. That way you can better aid in the coming confrontation and get all the advantages we can get. But it will take a moment. Please come back towards the home. I will prep there. And he will guide you there as he begins to focus on the ground. And it is a smooth, smooth dirt circle right outside of his front door as he kneels down, and he begins to just do an incantation. As he does, you notice three of the elementals come up, one behind each of you, and two seem to come up behind him. He just says, I am binding one of them to each of you so that you may command them and they could aid you personally in the coming conflict. The Galabdur are hardy and strong. They are not quick movers normally, but I have slightly modified the landscape around my home to create a slight incline, as they are very good at rolling towards their enemies. Can they be healed by a magic? Cloudfarer cannot. They can. They are still living entities, even if they are elemental in nature. Excellent. They are very straightforward combatants when they need to fight, though they don't usually enjoy fighting which is why I allow them access to this plane in the first place. The powers I grant to you now, in addition to this, as this is happening, you see like the dirt around you swirls slightly in a small, soft circle. You feel a little bit of wind and a slight tremor in the ground. You will have additional powers during this conflict. I am extending the power I gain from my lands onto you. You could, if you wish, stomp onto the earth itself and create a small quake. And if people are not careful, they tend to be a little unsteady on their feet. You'd be able to knock them down around you and finish the job if you can. While on my lands, earth and stone will not hamper your movements. 
in any way. I will try to harden you from attacks, make it more difficult for you to be injured to fall. In addition, if you are ever attacked or struck, call upon the earth to strike back against your enemy. There are abilities allowing you to hurl stone and earth and rock at your foes. Finally, this will be a bit more limited, but at least three times during this confrontation, you will be able to call to the earth and have it erupt and potentially bury your enemies beneath it. Okay. So as he is speaking, the little circle of wind and dirt starts to slowly surround you. And there's a brief moment that the earth actually starts to come up a little bit and partially engulf you, not hug you, but similar to the way the vines encompassed Elaine on the Lady of Spirits lands, the earth itself seems to be rising up to you. As the ritual ends and you all feel awesome, empowered, and connected to the land itself, are there any preparations you would like to do? I think I would try to make sure that Anvil is put somewhere as safe as possible for the duration. Boulder will escort Anvil inside. He will mention, as once things have gotten started and we know their distance and direction, I will hit them with the biggest spell that I have in my possession and see how many I can take out before they ever get close. Nice sound plan. Will you be stationed here? Yes, I will get a better perch as he kind of stares upwards a little bit so that I can see a bit better. But beyond that, I feel here is the best place I can defend as I am basically on top of the source of my power. All right. As you are gathering your items, making your preparations, preparing for what might come, first drop of rain. A light rain just comes across. Not bad, just a soft bit. Boulder looks up and seems to just nod a little bit. But after a moment, you see a shimmer of movement in the air above the tree line to the southwest. A moment later, bolting through the air, Cloudfarer flies above you, does a quick circle, and lands beside you, Luvin. Cloudfarer, enemies approaching, not head for yes. Nods. More than 20? Nods. More than 50? Nods. More than 100? Shrugs. Okay, here we go. I'm climbing on board. <laughs> it is slick with rain. Oh boy. We could tether you. Yeah, can you do that? That'd be helpful. Let's do that. I'll work to tie him too. So tell me about these knots. Because <laughs> I, I was a sailor, so I probably know how to tie a bunch of knots. So I could definitely tie a couple really good ones and say, all right, if you pull this one here, it'll undo these two. If you do this one, you want, you know, if you want some more mobility or if you want to completely come off. LA knows how to do knots. You are able to create this binding, hold Leuven to Cloudfarer's back. You're still sliding a little bit, Leuven, but it's like a couple inches here and there, more just for the movement of it. So pretty secure. So Leuven is securely tied. Boulder is looking around. And as you are all getting this ready, you see him gesture towards the ground beneath him in front of his house. And a pillar shoots him up 30 feet into the air made of dirt and stone as he holds position on this pillar and looks out towards the horizon. And he says, his slightly glowing amethyst eyes brighten as he stares in that direction. And both arms gesture 
towards that area. You see, well, it's, you know, a bit cloudy out with the rain. Dark clouds form in a massive radius to the southwest. As it begins to form, lightning flashes. You hear the thunder a moment later and even can hear the wind blowing amongst the trees and occasionally a crack as a tree might have been uprooted somewhere in the distance. He continues the gesture. And as it goes on a little longer, you see heavier rain, but has a colored hue to it as acid is falling in that area. Burn him to the ground. A moment later, six bolts of lightning shoot down. And even amidst the intense sound of the storm, you hear loud bellowing cries of pain. Ice begins to fall from the storm a moment later. And eventually the rain and wind intensifies to the point off in the distance that you can't see through it from wherever this massive spell is focusing. After about a minute, this storm of vengeance Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) dissipates. Boulder's eyes no longer glow with the same intensity. He kind of takes a deep breath in. All right, here they come. And now, a brief message from Leuven. Hi, I'm Leuven Cromdell. It goes without saying that I love partying and meeting new people. And, like most adventurers, I also have the good fortune of perfect health. But for the sake of those of us who are more vulnerable to COVID-19, I'm committing to social distancing as much as possible until this crisis has passed. I hope you'll join me and become my pen pal in the meantime. Just, you know, please don't lick the envelope. Thanks. Hey, this is Nick, the player for Leuven Cromdell. During these troubled times, we here at D&D Raw are keenly aware of the importance of entertainment media to help all of us get through. It is in this spirit that we're expanding the Nebersol network to include sending spells through electronic mail. Would you like to write a letter to Leuven? Well, now you can. Please address your letter to dm at dndraw.com, and Tony will make sure your message gets where it needs to go. Thank you. I am up currently 15 feet in the air. As you are preparing, your Galabdur follow slowly initially behind you. They will just seem to instinctively know what you would like them to do. As you wait and the storm has dissipated, Boulder seems to be gathering himself again after this release of immense, natural, powerful energies. And you watch emerging from the thicker tree line to your southwest, about 120 feet from where you stand. 10, 20, 30 various figures and one leading the charge that is just plowing through a thick trunk in its massive grip seems to be a hill giant leading the charge. It lumbers along this huge 22 foot tall entity. You notice following him a bit over a dozen goblins, 10 hobgoblins and another ogre who seems to be carrying on his back about six different goblins, each with bows trained in this makeshift fort or tree fort on this ogre's back as he is lumbering along. You see another ogre that seems to be heaving this massive like crossbow, but has like a thick branch on it rather than a normal bolt. And towards the back of the group, you notice definitely a hobgoblin that seems to be a little bit more in charge as they begin to proceed 
towards you. Here we go. You hear more behind them. I need the three of you to roll initiative. As this first wave seems to emerge from the tree line, you see many of the hobgoblins are holding their shields above their heads still, like cautiously. Even from this distance, Elaine, with your passive perception, you notice their shields are partially melted, but they are all beginning to proceed. And now they have looked in your direction and you just hear towards the back of the group, a cry of combat and battle, just a as they basically initial like march has turned into a charge. So what would you like to do? I am going to get in touch with the ground, the earth as Boulder instructed, and I am going to use that ability that we can do three times a day to cause the ground to crack to this group that's southwestish of me. You are directing towards the ogre that is currently carrying six goblinoids on his back and shoulders in this little makeshift-like fort. Go ahead and roll your damage. 17 points of damage. As Elaine reaches towards the ground and looks to the oncoming foes, this ogre that is carrying this load of hobgoblins on his back is just trudging along when the ground he steps on bursts upwards as stone and dirt just slams under his chin, cracking the uh, fort that he seems to be carrying on his back. As you see the goblins there try to duck and hide, but get slammed and tossed about, the ogre just falls to the ground. You hear just a crash of wood as they start to get like partially buried beneath this. One of the goblins seems like still alive as it kind of initially struggles and falls away as it slips from the ogre's back, cracks its head against one of the rocks there and just crumples. And the ogre is the only thing left alive. And it is prone. That was really satisfying. Okay, then as my bonus action, I would like to summon forth my totem. All right, which one are you summoning? I am summoning, I'm gonna go with the bear spirit, which will give us an additional eight temp HP and allies gain advantage on stealth checks and strength saving throws while in the aura. So I would actually, you know, as I'm walking closer a little bit, cast it so that everybody is within the aura. You know, just kind of shout that if you stay near the bear, you'll feel a little stronger. As the bear totem seems to just appear and just shift and feel emboldened by this. What would you like your Galabdur to do? I'll have him roll 30 towards the group and then just stop. You see the Galabdur kind of tuck into itself as it rolls a bit, then shifts about 25 feet out and skids to hit about 30 feet away from where it was and seems to hold. Auric. I think I am also going to use that cool ground ability thingy. So what are the ones in the center-ish? Those are the goblins. Okay, I'm going to have it target them. Roll your damage. A total of 21. Auric, you reach towards the earth. Mimicking Elaine's previous motions, feel the ground beneath this charging group of goblins and erupt it upwards as when the smoke and dust clears, there are just bodies. Excellent. Goblins next to it stare and you just hear, Luvin. Having seen the effectiveness of this guardian power, I'm going to jump in on this action too. I see a cluster. I'm trying to hit as many as possible off to the far, the further southwest. Okay, so that's the hobgoblins. 
basically, I'm gonna ask Cloudfarer to move me up a certain distance and so that I'm in range, but holding my action with the purpose of the moment that I'm in that range, I cast it, and I'm also commanding then Cloudfarer to use remaining movement to return me to starting point. Okay, so you, you're having Cloudfarer do your loop. Yes. Cloudfarer bolts forward just enough to get you within about 120 feet of a grouping of hobgoblins to the southwest of you. Cloudfarer seems to lower and dip slightly to the ground. You gesture towards the earth, and everything erupts in that area. Go ahead and roll your damage. That is a total of seven. I rolled poorly. So as it erupts up, you see a lot of the hobgoblins who are much better trained than the other goblins that have been blasted by this effect start to take their shields to take a lot of the blow of this erupting earth. Having also seen their allies get blasted by this, they were a little bit more prepared for this encounter. Two of the hobgoblins will get smacked in the back, kind of tumble to the ground and are currently prone at the front. Another one that's towards the back by the ogre gets hit from the side and kind of collapses, but they're all still up. So Cloudfarer, after doing this pass, does a quick loop around. Would you like your Galabdur to do anything? I'll roll 20 feet south and then an additional 10 feet southwest. You move your Galabdur forward as it rolls into a more defensive position between you and the enemies approaching. Boulder is then going to take his turn. You see him kind of, again, his eyes glow as he gestures towards an area directly in front of the attacking enemies as you watch the plants seem to grow and shift. The trees sway more than normal. Something is definitely happening to the terrain between the rest of you and your enemies. But now it's their turn. So this ogre is going to spend half its movement getting up. So as it kind of pushes the rubble off itself, it gets up and struggles to get out of the terrain, but then just starts to go into a full sprint as it heads right for all of you. As it does, you see trees just whip and slash at it. The goblins will scurry. This one is going to avoid the difficult terrain. And then the goblins are going to start firing with their short bows at the nearest enemy they see, which is Leuven's Galabdor. Three of the goblins rush up. They start to pull their bows out, get an arrow, fire the first one as it's running forward, pulls the arrow back and trips, firing an arrow as it sinks into the ogre's side that's in front of it. The one behind him, a little bit more sure and steady on his feet, does fire a shot towards the Galabdur and hits it, and it deals four piercing damage to it. The third one also runs forward, fires a shot, and kills the friend that happened to just fire the arrow and hit the Galabdur. <laughs> Meanwhile, the hill giant is going to move up and you see it as it's running, reach down with its free hand, grab a stone and hurl it towards your Galabdor. Doc, buddy, Doc! Fortunately, the Galabdor is very sturdy. And as the rock comes by, you see it shift slightly and like angle is back. The rock hits the ground and like skims off of the Galabdor's back. It flies up over you, Leuven, as it then slams harmlessly behind all of you. The ogre, however, you see this big, like, crossbow-looking makeshift thing that he has. He is going to fire it at the Galabdor, Leuven's Galabdor, and he's going to hit. The Galabdor takes 16 points of piercing damage as this ogre kind of lumbers forward. 
it trains this bolt and fires, launching it, and it just cracks into the Galabdor as it stumbles back a little bit, but is overall okay. The hobgoblins are all beginning to move forward, some of them having a bit of difficulty, you know, as they scramble up out of this partially buried earth, no longer prone, but not doing great. They're going to just move forward. They have they have a shield in hand, so they're not pulling their longbows out that you can see slung across their backs. There is Captain towards the back, though, that definitely is better armored than the rest, is starting to shout orders at his companions. Two of the hobgoblins that don't seem to be wearing armor are looking out, nod towards each other, and each create a small mote of flame in their hands. They are fireballing you. So, I need Leuven, Cloudfarer, Oric, Elaine, and Oryx Galabdur to all make dexterity saving throws. Oric, you need to make a second one. For myself, I got a 12, and for Cloudfarer, a 17. So, for the first one, I rolled a 7, and then the second one, I rolled a 16. And then for the Galabdur, he got a 6. Natural 20, total 23. Leuven, you take 20 points of fire damage. Cloudfarer takes 10. Elaine, you take 10 points of fire damage. The Galabdur takes 20. And then Auric, you take 30 points total among the two fireballs, halved to 15. Elaine, out of the corner of your eye, you notice a hobgoblin sneaking up to circle around all of you towards your back left by where Leuven is. You just barely notice him. It is now your turn. Yell out and very clearly point in the direction where he is and just say they're trying to circle around us. I am going to move up. I am going to drop Flaming Sphere on the big guy. Okay, so you're going to make it appear next to the hill giant. And then bonk into him. All right, so that is a deck save, I believe. Fail. He takes six points of fire damage. So he gets like slammed in by this uh, small rolling ball of flame as you summon it forth and just burns as a... My Galabdor, he is going to tuck and roll. So he's going to go straight towards the ogre. Make your attack roll. Ten. He's not wearing armor, so... So what's the damage? So 18 points of bludgeoning damage, and he has to make a DC 16 strength save or be knocked prone. So it slams into the ogre and, like, skids him back, and he holds the Galabdor in its rolling form, and he does not fall prone. But you do see as he hit, the ogre just kind of, like, coughs up blood. I slam. What's the attack? 13. 13 hits. 11 more points of bludgeoning. So as the Galabdor finished its roll, it, like, unsheaths, basically, and unrolls itself, and throws a punch up under this thing's jaw, and it stumbles back, like, slightly dazed from the hit. Auric, you're up. Since Elaine pointed out the guy trying to sneak up on us, I am going to cast Daylight. So you cast a bright light in the area. Yeah, I'm going to cast it on my armor, actually, so it just radiates out from me. Suddenly, as Auric places a hand to his shield, just blinding light emits for a moment as the entire area is bathed in bright light. That brings us to your Galabdor. So I'm going to have him roll up. So make your attack roll. Yeah, at 20 hits. 20 hits. 13 bludgeoning. As you command it to go, Auric, it rolls into this ogre that had been stunned, hits it, and just 
you see it just drop to the ground as the Galadur rolls on top of it, and just there's a little moment of just it's up and then drops slightly as it's on the ogre. Luvin. Well, the first thing I'm going to do now that this assailant has been pointed out to my to my immediate west, I'm going to say, you see, Cloudfarer is looking at something. You don't see anything. You know the general direction. I'm going to use a fire potion then and an attempt to hit because at least that'll have a little more margin of error. A roll a d20 for me. 15. Roll your damage. If it hits, it will be six damage. You hurl the alchemical fire towards this tree and it splashes against the trunk, singeing the wood and the ground. And you see stumbling away, like patting its clothes is a hobgoblin. Yes! Bonus action. I am using a shield of faith on Cloudfarer because you notice from that fireball hit that suddenly as the wings are flapping, they're creaking as though Cloudfarer is starting to struggle to stay up. Some of the paint's been damaged. You focus your magic as divine energies envelop Cloudfarer to protect him further. It is Cloudfarer's turn. Cloudfarer, attack and then retreat. Make your attack rolls. For the beak, 16. For the talons, 22. Both hit. Five piercing on the beak, 15 slashing on the talons. Cloudfarer swoops in, bites into its shoulders, like slicing through its limited armor that it has. As it starts to like flap its wings, it rakes across this thing's chest as it stumbles and like catches against the tree, blood just spewing against the ground. And it's holding itself up, but it is still up. And you're pulling back? Yes, I am. Okay, it will take a swing at you. At me? Cloudfarer. It goes and swings its fist as Luvin, you feel it brush the metal of its chest and a thin line of magical energy barely deflects the blow. I'm going to pull north a bit. It is your Galabdur's turn. My Galabdur is going to move toward the hill giant with a rolling attack. Make your attack roll. That's a uh, 20 to hit. 20 hits. 21 bludgeoning. You roll, the Galabdor slams into this thing. It gets hurt, and you see like it grab its leg as the Galabdor is only about thigh high on this thing, but it does not even remotely get shaken in terms of being knocked prone. And the Galabdor then brings a fist back and does a slamming attack. 24 to hit. Yeah, that hits. Nine bludgeoning. So it punches across this thing's knee on the other side as this hill giant kind of staggers a little bit and falls to one knee and now has its full attention on the Galabdor. On Boulder's turn, you see all of the trees start to sway and slash and a boulder comes up from near the enemies and flings out towards them. Two of the goblins get crushed. One hobgoblin, like you see a branch from a tree next to it, just reach down and crack across his neck, crumpling it to the ground. Another one also gets slammed from behind and just crumples. There is another one of the hobgoblin casters towards the back also gets hit. And you see like stumble back in, in surprise from this initial strike. But now it's their turn. So... Again, the land itself seems to be restricting a lot of their m- movement towards you, and Scumble's going to start to back up towards its friends. The hill giant is going to focus all of its attention on Luvin's Galabdur. So one attack misses, one hits. As it brings its club down, the Galabdur like, raises an arm to deflect the first blow, but as it slams into the dirt beside it, it's just going to turn and crack the Galabdur against the side. It would be 23 points of bludgeoning damage reduced to 11. 
and then all of these hobgoblins are going to start to move up. The ogre is trying to take out your Galabdor with another bolt, but it misses. Meanwhile, this hobgoblin caster is going to blast your Galabdor. As you see, two hands stretch out and electricity form in each palm, and he brings them together as a blast of lightning shoots out towards the Galabdor and towards you, Auric. I need dexterity saves from Luvin, your Galabdor, and from you, Auric. I got a 19. 17. Both of you take 10 points of lightning damage as this blast of lightning just shoots out between you stopping a little bit before uh, it gets too close to boulder. The other hobgoblin caster towards the back is going to just blast your Galabdor with a magic missile, Luvin. It takes a total of eight points of force damage. And then you do see towards the very back another hill giant, as well as a couple other figures, almost directly south of you, and another contingent of hobgoblins. These, however, have bows, but it seemed like they took most of their movement to get here. Then it needs to make a deck save, you said, for the hill giant for the flaming sphere? Correct. I mean, it rolled a zero, so. Nine points of fire damage. It's looking rough now as the fire's like consuming. It's really confusing. You see it trying to like bat the fire away, like it's not sure what to do about it. Back to the top of the round, guys. You're up. I am going to shuffle forward just a little bit. I'm going to pull out just a regular javelin and chuck it at the hill giant. I am going to reckless attack, so I get advantage. Does a 21 hit? Oh, yeah, easily. So seven points of piercing damage. Bonus action. Boop him with the thing. So you hurl the javelin and it sticks into his arm. And then as he looks towards you, you try and thrust the flaming spear at him. But he quickly steps back and out of the way, avoiding it. So five points of damage then. Now it's my Doors. He'll tuck, roll, and thump into the hill giant. Make your attack roll. So a 16 to hit. Okay, that hits. 16 points of bludgeoning damage. So the Galabdor rolls, cracks into its other leg. Its legs don't look great right now. And you see it kind of just like shake, but it plants its club into the dirt to keep itself standing. He's going to pop out of his little ball roll and slam down, hit for an 18 to hit. 12 points of bludgeoning damage to crack down on his knee. So you like punch the back of his knee. He's like slumped down now. So his head is within range of you as this thing, as it just kind of like slams down and like holds itself up. It's still up, but it's not looking great. Auric, you're up. I will use my action to use the bless ability of call to prayer. So I will cast... Bless on myself, Elaine, and my Galabdur. All right, so all three of you have Bless for the next minute. So a d4 to your attack rolls and saving throws. I will use my bonus action to cast Spiritual Weapon, and I'll spawn it right above the Flaming Sphere, so it's at the corner of the Hill Giant. So you summon it forth. Okay, so a 13. A 13 just hits takes six damage. So as this thing has its head lower, you summon the spectral hammer, swing, it kind of clips its jaw as its head shifts quickly to the side. It's not good, but it's still up. It brings it to the Galabdur. Roll up. What was the attack? A 14. And what's the damage? The damage is 21 bludgeoning. 
So you roll in and just, as this thing had been cracked in the jaw by the spiritual weapon, you see the Hildrans like waving at this thing, trying to get rid of it. Its head had been smacked in such a way to turn as a rolling gallop door crashes into this thing's face and like pushes it back and down onto the ground. Brings us to Leuven. I'm going to prepare to throw an acid vial at my current hobgoblin assailant, the Iron Shadow. Clap air, charge. So it swoops in. And I'm throwing my acid vial when I get in range. As Cloudfair moves in, it makes the save. You hurl the vial and no damage. It is Cloudfair's turn technically now. What's the first attack? For the beak, it's 10 to hit. So it goes to poke at it and just, it quickly dodges out of the way. And with the talons, that's an 18 to hit. So the talons shoot out, slash across and pin him to the tree for a moment and rip down as his body crumples. You have additional movement if you want. I will, for now, go back to approximately where I was and back to the previous height. It is your Gallop Doer's turn. I'm going to continue my rolling attack, this time toward that caster toward the back. As you are passing by, you see three of the hobgoblins, almost like in unison, go to swing. Two of them get deflected off of the stone, like not getting enough force in. One, though, hacks across its form. But you do get the attack on the caster towards the back there. That's a 19 to hit. 19 hits. 18 bludgeoning. The Galadriel rolls up, slams into this caster who wasn't expecting it, hoping that his allies would seem like would take care of it. As he crashes to the ground, the Galadriel unfurls into its more humanoid-looking form as the caster is prone. A slam with advantage. That's a natural 20. 15 bludgeoning. So you just slam down. He rolls and avoids most of it, but gets such a solid hit that and like coughs blood to the side. Boulder is utilizing nature's wrath as you see a boulder fly out and strike one of the hobgoblins. You see trees lash out and attack the various enemies around them. One of the hobgoblins that had attacked the Galavdur is just slaughtered. One of the goblins that tried to run gets smacked by a rock and is killed. They're still trying to avoid a lot of this and they are getting beat up, but it is their turn. And that is where we're going to leave this episode for today. Thank you guys for listening. Please share us with your friends and follow us on Twitter at RulesAsWritten. Or check out our website at dndraw.com. And feel free to email any questions you have to Tony the DM at dm at dndraw.com. Also, subscribe and leave us a review or comment anywhere podcasts are found. And please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. Come for the rumble, save for the pummel.